Hey everyone, before we get to this episode, we want to tell you that All Souls Con 2017 is happening. We mention it in this episode, but it was recorded before we were given the go-ahead to publicize it. So here are a few things for you. All Souls Con will be held in New Orleans September 23rd, 2017. Listen to our special edition episode for our take on it. If you don't subscribe to our podcast, by the way, you really should, but if you don't subscribe, you can go here, go.demonsdiscuss.com forward slash SE01. That is a capital S as in special, E as in addition, 01. And that'll take you to that episode in the show notes. And for all of your All Souls Con questions, we're going to send you to the source. We don't plan this thing. They're organizers, Karen and Laura over at All Souls Con that are organizing this for fans. So go to allsoulscon.org. All of the social media, everything you're going to need for the run-up to All Souls Con will be listed there. That is all soulscon.org. All right, on with the show. Demons Discuss, take 11. The one with anger management. Welcome to Demons Discuss, Take 11, the one with the anger management. I'm Jean, and I'm here with your co- my co-hosts, Val and Angela. Hey! Hi, hey Val. There. Hey, Angela. And we're here to talk about blood rage. Yay! And just to give you a little bit of an illustration of how little it takes for us to come up with an episode, we were inspired by a little email we got from our discusser, Stephen. Stephen sent us an email a while back that said, Hi, just downloaded your podcast sticks. Have you discussed the demonic traits of Jack Blackfires before he had been turned by Father Hubbard? Keep up the good work. Well, from that, we extrapolated blood rage. And where does it come from? And why do some vampires get it and others don't? So that's basically what we're going to try and answer on this episode. And I also want to caution you that none of this is set in stone. This is demon theory time. Deb has given us a lot of the basics, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions, which we're going to try and explore today. Um, Let me interrupt you for a second. We have some emails from our discussers um, on this very topic because we asked that question. We got one from Angela and one from Jay. I'll read the one from Angela. It says, hello, ladies. In response to the topic of blood rage... The initial reading, in the initial reading of the series, I can't say that I had my eyes focused too much on that one thing. When you read AST for the first time, you become a bit overwhelmed, to say the least. But after reading it again, I truly can say chapter 11 of Shadow of Night still tears at my heart. The scene where Philippe is in the hay barn, sword fighting with Matthew and provoking the blood rage to come out, showing Diana that side of Matthew that he knew he never told her about was one of my absolute favorite and the story altering moments. I'm sorry. I don't have my glasses on. Uh, <laughs> quote, your technique is wild this morning. Is something wrong? Philippe quote, those whom the gods wish to destroy, they make mad Philippe. We also get to see the science and the lineage of the disease first with Matthew and Louisa because of this, 
but then the discovery about Benjamin. And we all know how much he played a part in showing us what happens when the rage takes over in the book of life. I can't say that I had too many theories about the science of it all. However, I did enjoy finding out how the DNA aspect of it all was a focus in much of the book of life. Loved it all. Keep up the great chats and podcasts, ladies. You always make it fun and enlightening with your topics. Angela. And Angela has one too. I do. It's from Jay. Uh, She says, oh, I wish I had more time to really think about these questions. I've been thinking about them most of the week, but no time to organize my thoughts. So bear with me or feel free to disregard if it gets too confusing. Never. So our question was blood rage. What are your thoughts? And Jay says, blood rage. I really appreciated this concept when I read it in the series. For one, Deb's perspective on the whole vampire race, to me, seems the most plausible if we are to consider their existence. I can't remember exactly what the explanation was. Ah, it's time for a reread. Regarding vampires walking around during the day, but whatever it was made sense because it's more logical to me than vampires living in darkness for centuries. Not to mention, I would expect a lot more reports on human combustion if this was the case. Instead, it's rare, or at least I think so. I haven't had time to really research this train of thought. So blood rage makes sense because it explains myths and legends of vampires. If vampires walk among us and we do not know what that they do, how did stories of them come into existence? If blood rage is a disease, that would explain the breadcrumbs in the mythology. Blood rage, vampires lose control and get noticed. Therefore, vampires are bloodthirsty creatures. Our next question in the email to our discussers was, were you surprised in Shadow of Night when it seemed to be a disease that plagued vampires and that Matthew had it? Surprised? I don't think I was. It was more of a, huh, well, that makes sense kind of thing. The fact that Matthew had it seemed inevitable since blood rage entered canon. Either he or someone in his family. I kind of like the fact that it's him. It adds to the complexity of his character and depth as a vampire, in my humble opinion. Like, sure, all vampires need blood to survive. But did you know that there's this disease that renders a vampire out of control? Well, there it is. Another question we had was, did you know how big a part it would play in the entire trilogy? And Jay says, did I expect the big part it would play? I have to say, I did not. With demons being touched in the mind, with witches inheriting powerful magic like Diana, and then with Matthew and Blood Rage, it seems to balance out, though. I like that it played such a big part. It's that blend of science and magic that Deb has a way with. Our next question was, did you see the science with the DNA demon DNA coming concerning Blood Rage specifically? And Jay says, demon DNA. I have to say, I did not see this one coming, but my thoughts were similar to finding out about the Blood Rage. Huh, makes sense. From what I remember, when Matthew mentioned his hypothesis as the four species are actually the same lineage, just different degrees. I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly what he said. I only remember that they weren't so different from each other. The theory that demon DNA in vampires sets off blood rage makes a certain kind of sense. This is why I was like, yikes, or yes, this makes sense instead of completely floored. And our last question in our discusser email was, or just send us your own theories. And Jay's theory is, I don't think I could ever come up with, with this scientific theory and appreciate the depth added to this legend and, and folklore. My thoughts on fictional stories is that there's always a kernel of truth somewhere in the story. After all, fiction has to start somewhere. And it seems Deb took this concept and made sure she linked every fictional element to the realistic story. It's truly amazing. You ladies have fun with this one. Can't wait to hear what you come up with. Yay! Shout out Jay and shout out Angela and thank you, Stephen. 
Thank you. That was awesome. I know. Now, I, now what are we going to talk about? I think Jay's covered so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I was reading her email, I was starting to think of my own thoughts on it. You know, just it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, I mean, my first when and she said it nicely that Deb always blends science and magic. And I thought, you know what? A discovery of witches started with magic and the book of life ended with science. And I think that is the perfect balance. That, yes, that's true because Shadow of Night was a nice mix of the two where Diana was. Learning. Yes. It, well, that was alchemy and the birth of birth of the physical sciences. Yeah, exactly. It's a continuum, really and truly. But what's yeah. but what is so funny? Think about this. Discovery of Witches and Book of Life are pretty much contemporaneous with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gr- granted, we lose six months to eight months in the middle where they time walk, but you're, you go into the same world in both of those books in the same era, and you have these parallel tracks of science and magic coexisting on, on par- almost like parallel tracks rather than the inter intersectional uh way that they met in alchemy and shadow of night it's kind of like deb's time uh time traveling theories right time walking with all the the threads and them crossing back and forth right 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 deb's never said about ada being about magic and you know the book of life at least i don't remember her saying that the book of life was ended with science but she did say ada was about the mothers and shadow of night was about the father. So I wouldn't be surprised if, and book of life is about the family. So I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, was in the back of her mind too. She seems very tidy, you know, in the way she has structured her stories and which book she puts in what. Right. Yeah. It's odd how compartmentalized it can be. Right. I mean, it can be overwhelming. And obviously we've picked apart these books for several years now. And so it seems compartmentalized to us, but once you start doing it, you can dig your way through. Right. Yeah, exactly. And how she transitioned from like, like uh, Discovery of Witches into Shadow of Night was that uh, Ampula falling in the fireplace and heating up and the mercury mixing with the blood and all of a sudden you have alchemy to segue into mm-hmm. Shadow of Night. So it's compartmentalized, but it segues so nicely that you don't really notice it. And they're like, oh, okay, we're dealing with the alchemy now and the whole, yeah. you know. Right. Well, on the, on the flip side, it's interesting too, because she's also said that it's really just one big story. And it is because every book has just picked up right where they left off. So if you just don't have separate uh, titles, it really is one big arc. Yep. It's true. I have the ebook with all three of them and you just keep turning the pages. And if you like skip the parts with the table of contents and everything like that, it just, right. yeah, it just you continues. Yeah. It's, so my last reread, I did it on that version of the ebook. So it was smoother that way. I agree. I mean, yeah. talking about one of our questions, you know, were, were you surprised in Shadow of Night when it, it seemed uh, to be a disease that plagued vampires? It, for me, it wasn't. But again, I already accepted the world she built. So that was just one element in it. And I thought it was kind of cool, actually, because it was something new I that I've never heard. I wasn't surprised that it was a disease that, it, that plagued vampires. But in a way, I was kind of surprised that Matthew was so afflicted by it because he, he seemed to have it under control. Control. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially when you compare him to to uh, Benjamin later on down the line, and even the stories about Jack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but somehow Matthew is nevertheless the poster child for blood rage. It's it's kind of odd. Yeah. In a way, I was more surprised that he was plagued by guilt. That was surprising, more than blood rage. But that was just my my perception. Well, yeah, and yes. like <laughs> if you look at Discovery of which 
speeches, though, uh, I think it was Marcus who mentioned that he would, you know, get really mad and then he would disappear for a while because of yeah. because of the guilt. And but we didn't know he had blood rage at the time. So I, it, for me, it wasn't. I don't know if it was a surprise. It was kind of like a, oh. Okay, it was a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, oh, that would explain the Eleanor. Yeah. That would explain right, right, so many different things. Just, well, but, and, but on the other hand, too, is you've got Matthew who also had these impulsive tr- character. Tr- he had th- this impulsivity about him about some uh, when it came to some things as well, and, and in the way he he couldn't plan. And I don't know if that was right. part of his personality or the blood rage. So I mean, in thinking back on it, maybe the fact that Matthew was the poster child for blood rage and was able to apparently function in their society for as long as he could and keep it under the radar is probably a message to all of us that there's a lot of people walking around in our real life world who are suffering from not blood rage but but mental illnesses who suppress it manage to put on uh yeah manage to put on a a game face every day and walk Mm -hmm. amongst us and nobody'd ever guess you're suffering from a mental illness and maybe it's also a message that we shouldn't demonize it no pun intended I have a theory that all of us suffer from some kind of mental illness. <laughs> I, you know what? I was just I was just thinking that. I mean, there's no such thing as a normal family, and I think that that's yeah. to some degree very true too. Yeah, that, there's no such thing know. as normal. Right? Normal is an illusion, isn't that what really Matthew said? Yeah. Was that in this one? Normal yeah. Is I have a, a qu- fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normal is a fairy tale. Humans tell themselves to sleep at night. Right. So. I have a question. When Which they is- when they were eating breakfast early on in A Discovery of Witches, and he would get his face would cloud or he'd get angry. Was that just because you know he's so secretive and private, or was that part of the blood rage? Because I at, from the first time I read I it, I'm like, what what is with this? The mating? I yeah. Oh, that he the, in the in the diner because the guy was making the guy was making cute comments to her. But even in like in his rooms or in All Souls, you know, she asked him about certain historical things, and you know, he, he, I don't know, he would just seem to be mad. I'm like, what is with this guy? that he's always getting angry about a simple question. I felt that was because he was secret. secret. Yeah, he's not used to being questioned all the time. I mean, they even prefaced that and saying, oh, she's, uh, when she was sneaking in the rooms and he was thinking to himself, it's like, oh, she's not easily intimidated by me like most creatures are, or most vampires for that matter. So having to deal with the question. Chris Roberts made the point. Oh, sorry. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, having. I say, wait, go ahead. We'll do this dance all day, dude. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Um, no, it's just that how much, uh, like we saw it in the library, how much deference everybody, how much room everybody gave him. You know, all he had to do was shoot a look at one of the freaking scary sisters and they, you know, scattered away and shut up. And, you know, everybody seemed to give him a lot of room. Yeah. And, and, and the question also becomes, is that because he's him or is he's he's one of the Declaremonts. Well, I mean, when there's that so woman many ate- layers and so many things playing into all of that too, which makes it more fun. It When Chris Roberts had said some woman had asked him a question in one of the sessions and he shut her down immediately. And I just thought, and that was part of it. That was all in the beginning. And I thought, what is with this guy? It could be part of uh, that familial pack thing where, you know, the women, yeah. where the women acted yeah. a certain way. It could have been part of that too. I, I think. It's all medieval. Yeah. I think Diana was like the first modern woman in this century that he dealt with, right? Besides his family. Well, and they're not modern women. They've all been vampires for centuries. Yeah. So I, I would imagine he, how's this woman questioning me, you know, because he's old fashioned. Right. 
So I I don't know if that was it or if that was her intention, but that's how I took it. All his little bursts of, I just thought he was a jerk. Well, we already discussed that. No, I did. Yeah, I know. But I did. And I like Matthew, but I did too. I thought, lighten up. But you know me, I'm always saying that. (laughs) Maybe that's a demon form of Asperger's. Yeah, yeah. Th- that, that, that's how that's how they handle their the social awkwardness manifests in that way. Yeah, I remember in our demon episode where we said maybe this is maybe this is part of it, like being asked, you know, having being on the spectrum. Yeah, how you deal with it, deal with people socially. It's like you don't you don't handle it well. Not at all. I was gonna say, and another funny thing uh, while we're on the whole thing of blood rage is the whole legend of berserkers. Remember how Galloglass just about lost his mind when Diana asked him if he was a berserker? Yeah. Or accused him of being a berserker. Better yet. Yeah. I mean, that that story describes a blood rage, a vampire in the throes of blood rage to a T. Remind us the story. Oh, the the berserker were the, they were the Viking warriors who fought as if they were possessed. Like they go into a Uh, trance. Like a killing trance. They go into a trance-like state and they fight as if they were possessed and basically turn into killing machines. And that's where the word berserk comes from when you go berserk. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which also is another neat little myth Deb tied into all of it. So, yeah, probably Gal Glass took offense to that with his kind and gentle nature. That explains why. (laughs) Now, I I guess in order to have a fully informed conversation about this with our our readers, for our readers, we should probably do a quick recap on creature genetics since it seems that it may play a large part in all this at the end of the day. Right. Yes. Okay. Everybody, hopefully everyone remembers from high school biology that humans have 23 pairs of chromosomes. Mm-hmm. That's right, 23. Uh, witches, on, in Deb's world, have 24 pairs of chromosomes. Yep. Vampires after their transformation, have 24 pairs of chromosomes, which raises an interesting question, which we'll get to in a minute. Okay. Right. And then we have demons. Demons have 23 chromosomes in an extra unpaired chromosome floating around. So they're kind of 23 and a half, for lack of a better description. Right. Now, Marcus and Marcus and Book of Life, I think, so, doesn't he describe some of it as junk DNA? Yeah, in a Discovery of Witches, he does, yeah. Yeah. So, so we have this setup. Witches, witches are witches. Witches are born a, born a witch. And they're always born with 24, 24 pairs. Right, right. Which it would seem, especially when they talk about how you can have witches and humans in the same family, we're talking run-of-the-mill, garden variety, evolutionary genetics and mutation. Right. You, two witches marry, you're generally going to get another witch. Yeah. But so witches are off to the side. They, they Their changes in their DNA structure are kind of insular. Now, vampires are always turned from something else. They mutate. And for that, I think of X Men. They mutate they, exactly, and that's what happens right. because when 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 uh, a vampire makes another vampire, their vampire blood changes the genetic makeup of the the person who is becoming a vampire into a twenty four pair setup. Now, with a plain old human, the question becomes: Does it just replicate one of the pairs again, or or whether it does that, or does something else? Maybe that explains how some vampires have different skills that are amplified mm-hmm. as far True. as physical traits. Um, and then, well, do we even know of any examples where witches may have been turned into vampires? Is that is that a category that Deb has even I don't addressed remember. for us? 
I don't remember reading about any of that or hearing about it. In theory, it should have. In theory, it should have happened somewhere, but it, yeah, it wasn't addressed in right. these books. Uh, because that brings up a, a good question too. Because it seems the, that the mutate part of the mutation's function is to add add a pair of chromosomes in order for all the vampire traits to come forward. So, what would happen right. if if a vampire transforms a witch and there's no need to create that extra pair? Because that's right. That's true. For another day. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a question for another day. No, that's I true. I mean, the, the closest we got to, I mean, and Isabel wasn't a witch that we know of, but that she was having, wasn't she having visions? And when she got turned into a vampire, she did lose that ability? Yes. Yeah. And don't forget that they also said Agatha has visions too. So that's also a de- demonic trait as well. Right. Exactly. So, which was, I think that's why, but although I found that interesting because didn't Matthew speculated that Isabel might have been a witch, but he never really raised the issue of whether he thought she might have been a demon. A demon with foresight. Yeah. He, I don't think he went down that road, did he? No, he did not. I mean, but I don't know. It's hard to say because I might have been, my my reader self might have been led to think about the witch and I, di- I didn't think about a demon um, with foresight. I did suspect he was a demon at one point just because he had the, I think we discussed this already, the pension, but he, but then we, d- I concluded he wasn't a demon. He was just a human. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, um, and then we've got the, like I said, the demons have that extra chromosome. So the re- I think the real thing, that extra chromosome, and this is just my theory, is that when the uh, mutation to vampire starts, the it doesn't know the process doesn't know what to do with that extra one extra chroma extra chromosome roaming around so i mean it it could be one of two things what happens is is it creates the extra pair and then you've got a a blood raid vampire who has 24 pairs and that broken chromosome floating around right or Mm -hmm. or what it does is it replicates that single chromosome into a pair and if that's the chromosome that's carrying all it's carrying like traits of mental illness or whatnot that that's what gives them the blood raid right because it it seems like with there's a tie between what we consider mental illnesses and humans and demon behavior and Deb has verified that there is a link to that and the next step would be that the mutations has some sort of effect on, on these genes that come up for mental illnesses or that are associated with mental illnesses and that's one of the keys to the blood rage. Hmm, that's interesting. I yeah, My non-science brain. Yeah, no. I always... <laughs> that's as far as my non-science brain can go. <laughs> I always assume that... Uh, like like the blood rage the people the the vampires that were carrying the blood rage they had this in them and it would affect some vampires but it wouldn't affect others mm-hmm. and the the ones that it would affect were the ones that had demonic um demonic genes so yeah. they couldn't i mean they didn't have to be a full demon they just had to have that gene some. somewhere right and yeah yeah i was going to say i wonder if you can cure you can have the demon genetics and not manifest as a demon. That, uh, basically sleeper genes. I mean, I wonder if that's possible. Or is it on a spectrum, like we were discussing oh, before? Yeah. Th- that, it's, yeah. it's like... Uh, th- and that's the whole question of blood rage carriers and expressing the, the characteristics, I guess. Yeah, because, I mean, is being a demon, I mean, is that being on a spectrum? Do you show every possible trait you could be on one end of the spectrum or you can be on the other end of the spectrum as a, someone who has, maybe has visions or is... Well, and you look, you look at the demons that we have. I mean, you've got everybody from Hamish who is about as grounded and, and sane. He's probably the sanest one in the whole story. Right. To, to Kit and... 
Agatha and Sophie, who, who are or do, kind of outliers in society, or, one way or another. Or does it, you know, affect, like, Hamish, he's very demonic because, you know, they did that MRI on him and they showed all that activity, but maybe it affected one part of his personality and not the other. Do you know what I mean? So if he had it, Well, yeah, and his, his, his is just, he's a savant when it comes to economics and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, there's my non-science brain at work coming up with theories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think of everything as a, a spectrum. It's like, yeah, we're all a little bit touched in the head. It just ima- imagine, you know, how touched in the head you are. How it manifests itself. Yeah. Yeah, based on experiences, based on your tendencies, you know, how some people are more are more susceptible to addictions than others. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can drink every day and not be addicted to alcohol. They can quit the next day, right, right. you know, yeah. and then others, they just yeah. got to have that drink the next day. So I feel like everything's on a spectrum. It's just a matter of who you are and how it mm-hmm. takes and how it manifests inside of you. I don't know. Well, and the more blending that happened, I mean, for so long, witches were forced to be with witches and demons keep with demons. So, I mean, the more blending that happens, who knows what kind of evolution will happen. That's true. Exactly. And that's why witches were losing I mean, power, all, right? Well, it, right. and it also makes me wonder if the, all the covenant did was it's just slow down evolution in a way by, right. by its, with a, with a quote unquote breeding program. It did. And there's a quote in the book that I want to read that kind of underscores what you just said. It says, it's too early to know for sure, but our hypothesis is that weavers are descended from ancient witch demon unions. So that's obviously pre-covenant. Blood rage vampires like Matthew are produced when a vampire with blood rage genes create another vampire from a human with some some demon DNA. So it sounds that was likely pre-covenant. And then, like I said, slowed down evolution with the covenant. Right. Mm -hmm. And the covenant was basically... uh eugenics yep yeah um well no it wasn't eugenics it was eugenics was what uh benjamin was trying to do trying to create this perfect race by making all those babies you know um this superior race but i think the covenant was trying to prevent what Benjamin was doing. Well, but, but in a way that was eugenics too, because it was trying to use, use genetics in order to guarantee a certain outcome. Yeah. True. Because they probably, you know, way back in the past, uh, you saw with, was it Janet, Janet Gowdy? Well, back in the past, yeah. you know, back in those days when her ancestors, I mean, we've seen. Oh, it created the bright. Point. Yeah. Yeah. So someone had seen that before and said, Oh, this must not be. We're creating these crazy creatures and mm-hmm. I might lose my place in the world as, you know, this powerful vampire when you have this witch vampire combination that's, you know, out of this world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was part of that too. Yeah. But I digress back to the blood rage. <laughs> back to the blood rage. Now here, here's a question I have with, it's the fact that it was so, so vilified, especially early on with the vampires. It kind of doesn't make sense to me because with all the, the fighting and the battles and the crusades, wouldn't you want super soldiers like that? You would think, but then that gives some, well, that I, gives somebody an advantage, doesn't it? Maybe they were trying to eliminate that advantage. They in, didn't do a very good job. <laughs> in theory, in theory. I guess what, I guess, I guess. What I, what I'm wondering is why, why did it turn into, it, it turned into a bad thing early, early on. Uh, I, I realized part of it was from Isabeau's maker trying to create this invincible 
family. Right. But who's to say that, that you don't have a couple of rogue vampires start another invincible family? I mean, before long, everybody's invincible. Well, they're vampires, but they're more invincible. Right. Real life similarities. No, Did we, we do get, not get into, into that. Real life simil- I mean, we've got the real life myth of the berserkers, but we also, you know, there are. Right. I would argue there's some real life similarities when you, uh, especially, de- and, and I hate to use dogs as an example as opposed to humans, but uh, like Doberman rage, where where there's organic organic issues with the brain and the brain chemistry, where where they'll just go into these inexplicable rages where you don't know what it's triggered by, right? Which is kind of like, is that from like overbreeding? Uh, well, it's genetic, so it's probably poor breeding, right? Uh, but. I mean, I, what I'm wondering, not wondering, but I would be eager to hear your thoughts on is real life similarities in, in types of human behavior that you might think is a basis for blood rage. Uh, well, like in our title, anger management, people who just fly off the handle for no good goddamn reason, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, we all have that one person that we know that just you tiptoe around them because any little thing will set them off. This is true. This is true. Yeah, and it, it's almost like you have to like Matthew in the hay barn having to bring him back carefully and methodically. Uh-huh. That's almost like an anger management person sometimes. Sometimes they do it themselves. They have to self-regulate to breathe or to consciously tell themselves to calm down. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes they don't have that aptitude or capacity that, that, that whole uh talking people off the ledge figuratively yes. speaking or even literally yeah mm-hmm. yes certain triggers you know everybody's got a button if you push that button like i'm a relatively easygoing person but if you bring up certain things or right. say oh, yeah. certain things i'll fly off the handle and everybody around me is like whoa what happened what you know, what did I say? It could have been an experience from childhood that just triggered me or something. You know, I wonder it, how much of that is external, too. Well, and how much of it is that for vampires, um, that pack mentality, which transfers over to real life in that when they say, like, if your child is about to be harmed, you turn into mama bear. You don't have to have a child to turn into mama bear. It could be anything that you love, cherish, want to protect, have that fight or flight response and you know you see red and you're like adrenaline pumps and you want to win at all costs well here's a yes. thought uh, what what would you say to the idea that the blood rage vampires have a stronger the the fight tendency tends to be they tend to be instead of 50 50 flight or fight it's like it's 60 40 or 70 30 skewing towards fight Right. Right. Does that? Yeah, I can that see that. It tri- make you go, eh? Yeah, a little bit. And then I can see though that it's 60 40, but there's that, that proclivity to get into the trance where you can't get out once you're in it. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. Let's talk about Benjamin. Yeah. I mean, Benjamin, he's an extreme example. He's more than just a blood rage guy, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you yeah. got a whole panoply of mental illness that was going on with him before Matthew made that really oh yeah he he came bad, into this thing bad, as, bad decision yeah he yeah, came I into mean, this thing a sociopath yeah, yeah. And they didn't com- they didn't compare him to the bad seed for no reason right yeah he was the that, bad seed and he's a pet scan i would have liked to see to tell you the truth forget about hamish i'd be interested in looking at benjamin's yeah the lines would go crazy and they'd hit red every single time because they'd be off the oh, charts yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got a couple of diagnoses from the DSM, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. 
Um, Narcissistic personality disorder, sociopathy. Right. Take your choice. There's. He's no Dexter. He doesn't have Dexter's cuddliness. No. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, he came into that thing. That was a, well, okay, big surprise. Bad choice by Matthew. But he came into that thing just already messed yeah, I was up. Say, so. Even if he hadn't been changed, I'm sure he would have out outlived his human days with as a legend he would have had a legend of infamy even after his death right yeah. we did figure out who he was right i just swore we had a no, weekly we geek on him who he was but we kind of figured out where he came from where he came from right yeah he was he ended up being part of the humans with the the german crusade the, right basically the first the first crusade where they start uh the anti-semitic and they were all folded in were they all folded into godfrey's crusaders i think so yes yeah i think we do have a, a weekly geek on it yeah yeah and, i'll put that in he, the show notes he was serving he was serving with that group so he was running around with a bunch of bad dudes to begin with. Right. So the fact that he finally hooked up with the Nazis and the fact that he hooked up with uh, the Draculesti shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody. No, right. that would have attracted would have attracted him. Yeah, the the love I mean, attracts alike. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he's probably. I mean, that's when he he falls out of history or he falls out of sight for periods of time, and he seems to crop back up when bad people, bad groups surface that's like he's been oh, yeah. waiting for it maybe maybe he's been helping them along maybe he's you know helping them come to fruition he's the, he's the evil zelig remember that woody allen movie where woody allen's character <laughs> just kind of shows up at all these historical events kind of like forrest gump oh right? yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> right benjamin's the evil version i mean it almost makes me take offense that baldwin's song is sympathy for the devil because but it but that's that's just momentous historical occasions but i would say benjamin is truly when evil thing happens he's probably not not far behind oh yeah true oh yeah, yeah. so i mean yeah, we have Benjamin, but how about like in Stephen's email, Jack? Um, he had all sorts of issues going into um, this too. Yeah, and yeah, but yeah I, I think Jack's mental issues were weren't of the harmful. I mean, yeah, they he turned into blood rage and he had some control issues. I think I think he had control issues more than anything else because he did not have the the sociopathy or the nurse narcissistic personality disorders. And, and dissociative kind of things going on like Benjamin did. And I think that, I think Jack was probably the example of the effect that nurturing can have on yeah. nature. Yep. 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 Uh, because he didn't, he was, he didn't get the kind of intensive attention that Matthew did from Philippe, but he did get some. And yeah. Was- the nature and nurture thing with Jack, um, prior to Diana and Matthew quote unquote adopting him, we kind of have an idea that he had a rough childhood so we right. figured up that diana rescued him around seven or eight years old yeah is that what yeah yeah so yeah by by then most of your major uh how do you put that they say you are who you're going to be at five years old really. formative yes yeah. yeah formative yeah so his formative years had already begun so all they could do was tamper it down at that moment at that time when he when jack went into blood rage it was he would go into it he'd get protective and i think that was part of you know his mechanism to yeah upbringing and yeah and he was really protective of diana because Mm -hmm. you know she was his first 
mother figure. Mother. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we weren't given a whole lot of information until the book of life where, you know, there might have, we see later that he, there might have been some sexual abuse. There might have been just plain abuse. Certainly physical, certainly physical yeah. abuse. Yeah. Definitely physical. Um, yeah. He, he walked into that with a whole lot of things. So, uh, nurture had a lot to do with his blood rage, but we also saw, saw signs of him becoming a demon. And I don't know if you're born a full blown demon or if you develop into a full, uh, a demon. I, I'm not sure. Cause you know, remember Hamish said they, you don't know whether the child is a demon until later, maybe 12, 13, 14, yeah. right? So, and he was twenty. He was twenty when Father Hubbard turned him. And the question becomes: Is did Father Hubbard know he was a demon? I mean, was he was he a demon? Probably not, because I, I don't know that Father Hubbard would have turned him. Do you think? Well, maybe he was on the spectrum. Like I said, yeah. <laughs> maybe he was on the yeah. lower end of the spectrum. Well, and you had to figure out how long ago that was. I mean, chromosomes, DNA. Remember, Galagas is like D. And a like he, I mean they wouldn't even yeah. think of that so it's not like anyone would even it, it wouldn't even be the thought that he has twenty three pairs of chromosomes and I don't know yeah well I'm just I'm just thinking along the lines of just what they did know at the time and whether whether yeah. uh, Jack was truly a demon because I would have thought that the other creatures in Father Hubbard's coven coven would have somebody would have known if he was a demon is I guess what I'm trying to say right yeah I see what you're saying someone would have recognized it. Yes. Yes, yes. So maybe on the low end of the spectrum. Maybe. Maybe. Do you think we're going to see more uh, more characters in the future crop up with Blood Rage? Or do you, th- do you think we're, it's even going to be part of the conversation going forward? I think it has to be. Yeah. I don't think you can completely cut it out. Of the story or? Yeah, of the story. I, I think it has to be because uh, Matthew's family, Ransom and them, <laughs> I mean, they were all plagued with it. I mean, either carriers no, or full-blown. They were all pretty, cold, pretty much cold, so they called all the full-blown. Yeah, but they're all carriers of it. True, true. So it'll how have to be part hand- of how, how do you think Deb will handle the story? I mean, the story will manifest itself going on. Uh, look at you, sneaky Jean. Because I, I, I kind of think that the focus is going to change because now you've got... The blended children. I mean, if, if Deb's going to go down a science route, I think she's going to go down the science route of the brightborn and right. witches and vampires having birth and babies. Right. Maybe not so much the science route. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I feel like this is more telling the story or reaching into the Declaremonts now that she's tapped into it a little bit. Maybe she's yeah. reaching further into it. Um, yeah. Blood rage won't be the issue because if we're going back to look at the history of the family and everything like that, it won't be an issue per se, but it'll be something that'll be brought up and mentioned, yeah. I'm yeah. sure, but it won't yeah, be I a just, focus. I just want, I guess what I'm throwing out there too is with her future books, is she going to an- answer any of these niggling questions we still have because she seems to be veering down a different path. Right. Um, that, that I don't know. I mean, she's, she's always said that this was the, uh, the conclusion of the trilogy. So I don't know if that means conclusion of any an- questions we might have, but I agree with Val that. I can see shades of blood rage coming up, you know, when we, in the serpent's mirror that may be alluded to, um, but not the science of it or answering, I don't know, but who knows? She may get a, she may meet a scientist. And this, I was going to say in the serpent's mirror, I don't see the mechanics of being able to, or the opportunity, especially if so much of the story is based on the uh, set in the past to talk about the, like the mechanical kind of questions about 
how blood rage work, blood rage works, and yeah, Valerie's whole spectrum idea, right? And the the, the carriers versus the uh, manifest or yeah, manifestors. Yeah, where it's manifested so. into into their behavior, into everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. This is all speculation. Uh, if you go by her tweets and the few posts that she has on it, you think the story is going one way, but I think we might right. have made a U-turn somewhere. I, I don't <laughs> know. Possible. And yeah. this is why whether. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons why I don't like to speculate because it's like I don't want to read something and be like, "That's not what I thought it was going to be," and you know, freak right? Out. True. <laughs> true. <laughs> so I feel like she's made a turn. I mean, the goal is still the same, but she might have detoured a little bit. So yeah, we may get more answer. We may get answers to these questions, folks. But then again, we may not. We don't know. <laughs> After, you know, what we waited for uh, the Book of Life for two years, we sat around and we speculated and we speculated and we read the Book of Life and it was like, well, that's not what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> so, I don't no, know. Well, you- like, no, what it was is, damn it, where's that story about Isabel and the goddess and her sense of oh, humor? Yeah. <laughs> that was me. I was pissed about that, wasn't I? Oh, I know. <laughs> Yeah, said, so, oh, the goddess does have a sense of humor. I'm like, she said, one day, the next time you come to Septours, I'll tell you the story. We never got to hear the story. I wanted to hear the story. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, well, I Maybe got we'll over get it. it at the con. <laughs> yeah, let's we ask never that. have another one. Yes. But we're hoping there's going to be. Yes, we are. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my blood rage. <laughs> All right, before we wrap it up, any last thoughts, guys? My brain hurts. I think we've been thinking in circles. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say that when you said, do we think we're going to have any science? I I would prefer to be the Serpent's Mirror like Shadow of Night, where they talk about blood rage. We don't get into the science of it, at least not today. Um, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It, it You know, I, I, I did not expect, I loved how demons were downplayed and the lower class of life in, in A Discovery of Witches, and we were purposely led that way, and they turned out to being the crux of the series actually um so yeah. that's my closing thought that that was surprising and i didn't expect it right mm-hmm. but when you go back and look when agus is agatha saying we're part of the story too that is yeah. our book too yeah. and it's like oh yeah you were part of the story okay agatha. yeah that yeah. kind of drives yeah. the whole story if you think about it yeah yeah, yeah. It's true last thoughts gene uh like i said my brain hurts i have to think so <laughs> <laughs> and and Jack is my favorite blood rage demon. That's my other thought. Blood rage vampire. Or yeah, that's well, he's a blood rage blood rage. Yeah, I think he's both. Yeah. But <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said what you meant. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a do you have a frying pan sound effect? This is Jean's brain on genetics. <laughs> yes, that I don't is know. exactly true. <laughs> I, I, I you could put a disclaimer in the show notes that Jean is not a science brain. I no. have no science brain. No. Math brain? I have yeah. Science brain, no. I have kind of a science brain, but uh it's more geared towards physics. It's not geared towards genetics and biology. So uh-huh. that that was my weak point in science. <laughs> What I the, see. Yeah, yeah. No. And chemistry? No, not so much. But physics? Yes. That was my jam. Uh, and that was my nerd talk of the day. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and Angela, what are your last thoughts? I gave you my gave last them. thoughts. 
game up. <laughs> yeah. Did you miss that? Get the frying that we need the frying egg sound effect for sure. Oh, I might have to create that frying pan sound because I don't know that I have it in my archive, but I can create it with a frying pan on the counter. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm trying to bust that counter anyway. I hate it, but okay. <laughs> I don't think Robert would forgive me for that, for busting the counter and having to replace it because I took a yeah. cast iron frying pan trying to make a sound effect be bad. Yeah. All right. Well, did you- well, thank you. Thank you everyone for listening to our crazy talk <laughs> and talk about <laughs> our- crazy for that matter. Um, yeah. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in and bearing with us and letting us talk about things we love. Uh, Till next time, I'm Jean. I'm Valerie. I'm Angela. See you soon. Let, let, let's do the closer. Then we can say the see you soon. Do you always forget that, Jean? I have to bump you over the head. What did I forget? No, you have to tell people to visit us. You have to tell oh. people to follow us. <sighs> I'm taking the steering wheel okay. back. I don't yeah, take the steering wheel back because I don't have that note card in front of me. You always do it, damn it. I always do it. Okay, uh, audience, how about you become a discusser? Visit us at demonsdiscuss.com. Fill out the short form, uh, email, your name. Fill out the code because we don't like spam on our website. And click submit. And you will become a discusser. And we will email questions. Or you can just email us back and forth. We can have a conversation and talk about things over the email. Yeah. You, can, you can uh email us directly at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. The show notes for this episode are going to be at go.demonsdiscuss.com forward slant one one as in episode 11 as in take 11 we are on episode 11 everybody so again go.demonsdiscuss.com forward slant one one find our podcast wherever it is you listen to podcast shows you can uh subscribe to us on itunes stitcher google play and so many others to see all the places you can subscribe to us go.demonsdiscuss.com forward slant all lowercase subscribe and you can contact us. I already told you how to contact us. You can contact us in the show notes and I already told you where the show notes are located. You can also contact us via voicemail. So that number is 360-519-7836. Again, 360-519-7836. Give us a call, leave us a voicemail and you'll wind up on the show. I'll edit out, you know, any awkward pauses. I'll make you sound good. Don't worry about it. And you said a lot of practice on me. (laughs) Yep. All right. And our uh, home base. Don't forget to visit our home base. We had some really good posts lately. Uh, I'll list them in the show notes. But uh, if you want to take a tour of the Beinecke, visit us at demonsdomain.com. And the Beinecke, Met Cloisters, oh, Gallo Glasses Condo. You want to see that? We have a post on it. I'll put it all in the show notes. But visit us at our home base because that's where you can see everything we're doing. And that's all I have. So... Now we can say goodbye. Here's a steering wheel back, Gene. Bye. Bye. Demon out. Peace out, guys. Bye.